Greetings and welcome to another episode of From John to Justin. If you like, you can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate. On that note, if you want to donate, if you donate $5, you get a thank you at the start of the next episode of Canadian History X, Canada's Great War, and From John to Justin, and on social media. If you donate $10, you get everything from the $5, plus this episode is sponsored by you with your name at the start. It's also stated it's sponsored by you on social media. If you donate $20, you get everything from the $5 and $10, plus a second episode sponsored by you and promotion of something you're working on. And if you donate $50, you get everything from the $5, $10, and $20, plus you get to choose a topic for me to cover on Canadian History X. You can also donate at buymeacupofcoffee slash craigu, and all of these links will be in my show notes. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram and TikTok where I put up daily videos about Canada's history. Just go to Bairdo37. And if you like, you can find weekly videos about Canada's history on my YouTube channel. Just go to youtube.com slash c slash CanadianHistoryX. You can also find transcripts of every episode I've ever done on my website. Just go to CanadaEHX.com. Before I start, I want to say thank you to Michael Matthews, who is the sponsor of this episode. He donated to the podcast, and I truly do appreciate it, so thank you, Michael. After one of the most famous governors general in our history left the country in 1893, he was replaced by a relatively unknown governor general named John Hamilton Gordon, the first Marquis of Aberdeen. For the first time in our series as well, we have reached a governor general whose fame is eclipsed by that of his spouse. In this case, that is Lady Aberdeen, who had much more of an impact on Canada than he ever did. Throughout this episode, I will refer to the Governor General as Hamilton. Hamilton was born in Edinburgh to George Hamilton Gordon and his wife, Mary Bale, on August 3, 1847. His grandfather had served as the Prime Minister of Britain from 1852 to 1855, while his father was involved in the boundary negotiations between Canada and the United States. Educated at the University of St. Andrews in Oxford, he would become the 7th Earl of Aberdeen after the death of his eldest brother in 1870. In 1877, he married Isabel Mary Marjorie Banks, whom he had been a lifelong friend with. Together, they would have a relatively happy marriage, which produced five children. They shared an interest in many things, including politics, religion, and most importantly, social reform. In 1870, Hamilton joined the House of Lords and served as the Lord Lieutenant of Aberdeenshire in 1880, then as the Lord High Commissioner to the General Assembly of the Church of Scotland from 1881 to 1885. In 1886, he was appointed as the Lord Lieutenant of Ireland. In 1891, prior to becoming the Governor-General of Canada, Hamilton bought the Coldstream Ranch in the Okanagan Valley in British Columbia. The ranch would launch the first commercial orchard operations in the region and create an industry that has become incredibly important to the economy of the Okanagan to this very day. Due to his ranch, several places in the area are named for Hamilton including Aberdeen Lake and Hato Creek. Their ranch, which covered 13,261 acres, had 2,000 cattle, 62 horses, 70 hogs, 70 sheep and 50 poultry. There were also 25,000 apple, pear and cherry trees on 100 acres of the ranch. Maclean's would write in 1906, quote, Canadian apples and plums are unsurpassable in the world, and those grown by Lord Aberdeen in the Okanagan Valley are unsurpassable in Canada, end quote. 
Aberdeen also invested in a jam factory in the area and the creation of the Grey Canal for irrigation. The Vancouver Daily World would write, quote, Those who converse with Lord Aberdeen whilst in the city cannot but feel both he and the Countess were favorably impressed with British Columbia. It is believed that considerable attention will be devoted by the new proprietor to cattle breeding, that of the polled Angus being the leading line, but other breeds and the shorthorns will also be included, end quote. The couple would actually visit Canada on a regular basis and even took a cross-Canada tour at one point. Then, on September 18, 1893, Hamilton was appointed as the Governor-General of Canada. He had arrived in Canada the previous day. The Vancouver province would say years later, quote, Lord Aberdeen's selection for the Governor-Generalship came as no surprise, for both Lady Aberdeen and himself had long displayed the keenest interest in the development, especially by way of colonization of the overseas parts of the empire, end quote. Upon Hamilton's arrival in Canada, in Quebec City, there was actually very little in the way of citizens coming out to see him. The Ottawa Daily Citizen reported, quote, The weather, which has been disagreeable since yesterday morning, continued to be cold and rainy so that at 9 o'clock this morning, there were very few onlookers to witness Lord Aberdeen's official landing on Canadian soil, end quote. The Dublin Freeman would write of the appointment, quote, If Lord Aberdeen is only half as successful as a viceroy in Canada as he was in Ireland, the people of the Dominion will deserve to be congratulated. End quote. In Canada, the Scottish and Irish Canadians applauded the appointment, while French Canadians also supported it since he supported French Canada's constitutional rights and could speak fluent French. As with other governors general, the couple were not pleased with Rideau Hall. Lady Aberdeen would describe the home as, quote, put away in its clump of bushes. End quote. Almost immediately upon his appointment as governor general, Hamilton would go through a time of political upheaval in the country. When he arrived, Sir John Thompson was Prime Minister, and the two became fast friends. Lady Aberdeen would write of Thompson that he was a, quote, very lovable man, and a sincere affection grew up between him and ourselves, end quote. Sadly, Thompson would die suddenly of a massive heart attack at Buckingham Palace on December 12, 1894. Hamilton would say of the event, quote, Naturally, I am terribly shocked at the news not only because of the position which the late Sir John Thompson held as Prime Minister, but also because we were personal friends. Upon receipt of the news, Lady Aberdeen at once sent to Lady Thompson a message conveying our heartfelt sympathy. Quote. It now fell to Hamilton, like Stanley before him, to choose a Prime Minister. He would write, quote, Instead of one individual being marked out by circumstance and public opinion as the proper person for the vacant position, there are at least four of the existing cabinet who considered they were each fully or indeed specially qualified for the position, quote. In the end, Hamilton would choose Sir Mackenzie Bowell, who would then be ousted by his own cabinet in 1896 and replaced by Sir Charles Tupper. Tupper would only serve for 69 days before he lost the election to Sir Wilfrid Laurier. In only five years as Governor-General, Hamilton worked with four different Prime Ministers. During this time, Hamilton also refused to appoint senators or judges that were recommended by Sir Charles Tupper between the election loss and the formation of the Laurier government. The Vancouver Daily World reported, quote, A well-informed politician told me today that Lord Aberdeen has positively refused to sign any orders in council, making new appointments unless the government could consent to have them equally divided between liberals and conservatives, end quote. Tupper had attempted to hold on to his office and had begun making those appointments, which Hamilton refused to confirm. This would set a precedent for future governors-general. Hamilton would write, quote, 
We had a few days of great tension, and Sir Charles did not hesitate to express his opinion that I was departing from precedence and infringing on the principles of self-government. The episode led, unhappily, to a complete estrangement for many years." As for Laurier, Hamilton was very impressed with him and would describe him as a man of, quote, brilliant gifts and high qualities, which certainly made our relationship official as well as personal, but both pleasant and animating. He was a loyal friend as well as a faithful counselor, end quote. Due to this support of Laurier, some conservative politicians would boycott functions at Rideau Hall. In late 1895, Francis Valentine Cutbirth Shortest shot several employees at the Montreal Cotton Company. He had pleaded insanity, which was backed up by two psychiatrists. He would then be convicted and sentenced to hang on January 3, 1896. A debate over the matter in the public began and the Canadian cabinet was split on whether or not to overturn the death sentence. It then fell to Hamilton to decide. As he was against the death penalty, he commuted the sentence to life in prison. As Governor-General, Hamilton would travel extensively throughout the country. In Regina, he would meet Chief Crowfoot, whom he called, quote, the splendid Blackfoot chief of magnificent ability and statesmanlike foresight, to whom Canada and the Empire owe so much for his wise leadership of his people. End quote. Hamilton had met Crowfoot at the first Canadian Northwest Territorial Exhibition, along with the other leaders like Chief Piapot and Chief Red Crow. Hamilton was also made an honorary Blackfoot chief, and he would visit the Sarcy Indian Reserve in Alberta. In October 1896, he was adopted into the Seneca tribe at the Six Nations Reserve in Brantford, and he was given the name of Detu Rukpat, which means clear sky. The Weekly Albertan reported, quote, The Governor-General was given a most cordial reception, the unusual feature of which was the vigorous war whoops, end quote. Hamilton would, like Governors-General before him, have a love of Canada. He would say it was a great place to raise children, stating, quote, no more healthy conditions could be found anywhere in the world, and instructors with the highest qualifications in all departments of education are available in the chief centers. End quote. Hamilton was also involved in many sports during his time in Canada. He would write in his memoirs, quote, The sunny winters were in themselves a joy, with their winter sports, our own ice rinks at Government House, skating, hockey tobogganing, sleighing to which we ourselves added skiing, as it was through the children's Swedish governess that skis were first introduced to Ottawa. In 1897, he would lead the Diamond Jubilee celebrations for Queen Victoria, which was a milestone for Canada at the time. Queen Victoria would also send a telegraph to Canada thanking citizens for the celebrations. By November 1898, his time as Governor-General was coming to an end. Prior to leaving Canada, Hamilton would state that a new Rideau Hall should be built that provided a better view of the Ottawa River and that Majors Hill Park be utilized as a skating rink in the winter. He would say, according to the Ottawa Journal, quote, The capital, like the Dominion, he said, would be bound to grow and he hoped the municipal representatives would take every opportunity to improve it, end quote. On November 12, 1898, his term as Governor-General ended and he returned to England. Lady Aberdeen would say of their time in Canada, quote, Of all these 21 happy years, I think none were happier than the five we have spent in Canada. End quote. Back in Liverpool, Hamilton praised Canada by stating, quote, Canada's bold policy in turning towards England when the markets of the United States were closer to her, Canada's working out her own development and destiny, for her own sake, but in doing so, she is necessarily working, also for the sake of the great empire of which she forms so splendid a portion. End quote. 
For his remaining years, he would serve in various levels of government, including as the Lord Lieutenant of Ireland again in 1905. He would spend most of his later years at his estate that he built in Aberdeenshire, and he would pass away on March 7, 1934. Both Prime Minister R.B. Bennett and opposition leader William Lyne Mackenzie King would praise Hamilton. The Calgary Albertan states, quote, The Prime Minister reviewed briefly the career of the former Governor-General Lord Aberdeen, he said had been a Democratic peer who took his duties seriously and discharged them in fine and capable manner. Mr. Mackenzie King referred to the qualities of friendliness and kindness which had distinguished both Lord and Lady Aberdeen, end quote. The Winnipeg Tribune would say of him, quote, Canada will remember him as a modest gentleman of friendly instincts, who lent his efforts to minimize political struggles growing out of the questions that savored of disunion. He was a good man rather than a great one, with the instinct to cultivate moderation and national unity among the masses, end quote. Now, I can't talk about Hamilton without talking about the many accomplishments of his wife, Lady Aberdeen, who was a truly extraordinary woman. Prior to coming to Canada with her husband, Lady Aberdeen was active in social activism in England and Scotland. Along with her husband, they would fund a school and hospital together, and health care would become an important cause for Lady Aberdeen throughout her life. In Canada, Lady Aberdeen was struck by the isolated lifestyle of the pioneers, and she would found the Aberdeen Association of Distribution of Good Literature to Settlers in the West. This organization would send books and magazines to settlers to help break up the isolation. As the wife of the Governor-General, she would host many social events, winter festivals, and costume balls. Unlike previous Governor-General spouses, she was far more politically involved as well. She would attend events, collect information for her husband, and travel extensively. She would also give him advice about political matters in the country. The Montreal Daily Witness wrote, quote, Lady Aberdeen has much more prominence than the average wife of the Governor-General, and in fact, much more is written about her and her work than about her lordship, end quote. In 1893, she became the first president of the International Council of Women. She would also co-found the National Council of Women in Canada, and she established branches in her travels across Canada. Working with Adelaide Hoodless, she also founded the Women's Institute. She was the first sponsor of the Women's Art Association of Canada and created the May Court Club to encourage well-off women to pursue charity work. She would also establish the Victorian Order of Nurses to give women better training and higher salaries in rural and poor populated areas. She was also known for working constantly at anything that she was passionate about. One Vancouver woman who knew her would say, quote, Lady Aberdeen was marvelously active mentally and could work through the whole night and then appear at the morning sessions bright and alert, end quote. She would also introduce the Golden Retriever to the country, which her father helped originate. While some streets are named for her husband in Canada, Lady Aberdeen has many more honours. The Lady Aberdeen Bridge, the first bridge upstream to cross the Gatineau River, was named for her after she fell through the ice in the river and was rescued by locals. Aberdeen Avenue is named for her in Hamilton, as is Aberdeen Street in Kingston. She was also named a National Historic Person with a plaque at Sussex Drive in Ottawa. She was the first woman to receive an honorary degree in Canada, which she received in 1897. She would write, quote, the ceremony was a decided ordeal, and I simply quaked, end quote. She was also the first woman to address the House of Commons, which she did in 1898. She thanked the members of Parliament for their gift of Royal Dutan China, painted by 16 artists from the Women's Art Association. Her speech was described by the Toronto Globe as, quote, Grand as a piece of oratory, and her voice was simply thrilling. She brought tears to the eyes of all who were around her. 
I never saw an audience so captivated by a woman. End quote. After her death on April 18, 1939, Prime Minister William Lyne Mackenzie King would state, quote, It is upwards of 45 years since Lord and Lady Aberdeen came to reside at Rideau Hall. The years during which Lord Aberdeen served as Governor General were years from which have grown these national services, which Lady Aberdeen's name will always be associated. Personally, I have few happier memories than those of the few days I spent in Scotland immediately following the coronation and the close of the Imperial Conference of 1937, during part of which time I was the guest of Lady Aberdeen. End quote. The Owen Sound Sun Times would write, quote, Lady Aberdeen will not speak again. Her passing causes many a Canadian woman to pause and think of the gracious personality of this woman, who entered so keenly into political problems and Canadian life while living at Rideau Hall. End quote. I will end this episode with a quote from the Kingston Whig Standard printed upon the death of Hamilton, which states, quote, To the older generation of Canadians, he will be remembered rather for his kindly and wide human sympathies than his formal capacity as a representative of the British Crown. Together with his wife, he was ready and eager at all times to assist in any worthy cause. End quote. I hope you enjoyed that episode of my look at Lord Aberdeen. If you did, please leave a rating and review. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram at Bairdo37. As well, again, if you want to support the podcast, you can for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash canadaehx. And you can donate to the podcast by going to canadaehx.com and clicking donate. I'd also like to thank all of my wonderful patrons, and I apologize if I get any names incorrect. Michael Matthews, Joanna Parker, Jeff Dahl, Vobs, Robert Page, Richard D., Colin Johnson, Jeff Hershey, Kyle Murray, Steve Pakin, Matthew Gartho, Lionel Romaine, Dr. Bob Turner, an anonymous patron that I truly do appreciate, Randy Hayden, Doug Campbell, Reg W., Deborah Carlson, Francis Helbling, Nick Zinri, Shannon Marshall, Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Shove, Aaron O'Hara Myers, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Rawa, Luke S., J.P. Bear, Jason Hall, Phil Maynard, and Iris Gray. Information from Canadian Encyclopedia, Governor General of Canada, Biography, Wikipedia, Ottawa Daily Citizen, Montreal Gazette, Ottawa Journal, Windsor Star, Montreal Daily Star, Vancouver Daily World, Maclean's, Vancouver Province, and the Kingston Whig Standard. Thanks, and we'll see you again next time. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. <laughs> and Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone. Like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.